It's time for The Tainted Glove, starring your favorite man of questionable character, Aloha Mr. Hand. Hey, bud. Let's party. And the Holy Reverend, Kate Fitz himself. It's go time. So grab a beer, grab a bite, and settle in. It's time for The Tainted Glove. Aloha. It's your favorite friend with questionable character, Aloha Mr. Hand. As always, joined by KFIDS, but while we were getting ready to start this, some interesting things happened. So, KFIDS, I know you want to talk about this. Take it away. So, as we were kind of getting ready uh, during the Cub game, this is obviously a Monday night, and the Cubs are playing uh, host to the Cleveland Indians. And uh, in the bottom of the fourth inning in a one to nothing ball game, there's one out after Javi rolls over on a slider on the outer half like he likes to do on trying to pulling, trying to pull off speed pitches away and rolls over with that top hand <clears throat> into a fielder's choice. He was on first base. Anthony Rizzo hits a routine fly ball to left field. Javi Baez doesn't stop, runs with his head down like a freshman. I mean, he was I mean, there's there's some problems. Uh and now I'm seeing something else. On the first pitch of Javi Rizzo's at bat, Javi was not paying attention, didn't even take a lead. So uh, there's there's actually more to this even now. Wow. Um, I'm going to I'm gonna keep this one over because this is now I'm getting more upset. But anyway, so Javi, routine fly ball left field. Javi Baez doesn't, he runs with his head down like a, like, like a kid that's never played baseball before. We've talked about low baseball IQ right now and how the game right now, base running and defense is at a low IQ. Javi doesn't stop, runs all the way to third. By the t- even though the even though the play is in front of him, it's left field. He could see the run, he could see the outfielder camped if he just peeks for a second. Look, you know, runs with his head up and is picking up his third base coach, who probably is telling him to freeze. He's not picking up his third base coach, obviously. So <clears throat> as a result, double play, an easy double play, like as in like a joke. Javi stops, walks over, goes into the dugout. As soon as it's uh, over, Rossi takes him, starts talking to him. Javi walks away in front of full view of the camera and gives the ultimate freshman in high school body language that we all are familiar with. If you've ever worked with, you know, immature teenagers, you recognize the face and the body language immediately. So Javi gets benched immediately in the top half of the inning. The Cubs go out and uh, um, two run Homer to make it three nothing. So it goes from a one nothing game with a guy on first and two outs with Wilson Contreras. By the way, he just doubled to lead off the, the bottom of the fifth inning Could have scored the run. And now instead it's a three to nothing ball game and Javi's benched and he can't help the team. So this is uh, this is the typical of the Javi Baez that we know. And now we're seeing that on the first pitch of Rizzo's at bat in the fourth inning, Javi didn't take a lead at first base. Um, and that was right before he made the mistake thinking there were two outs in the inning instead of one out, not even paying attention. It, it's blatant video evidence showing that Javi's not paying attention. He's literally not, he's about a half a foot from the bag and the picture as the pitch is being delivered, not acceptable. And so we've talked about baseball IQ, but this isn't a baseball IQ thing. This is, you know, this is, this is the repercussions of people excusing this kind of behavior with Javi Baez saying Javi being Javi. That's not an excuse. Javi being Javi. That's like saying, I'm not going to go too hyperbole, but that's like saying, it's like saying, Oh, it's just Trump being Trump. Or it's more like, you know, it's like saying, uh, it's like, it's like the, uh, it's Lenny Bruce being Lenny. Yeah. You're shocked. Like you, you, you've allowed it. You know, Lenny Bruce, Great comedy. I'm just saying it's been an, an, an allowable behavior for so long, whether it's him showing up late to meetings, admitting that he doesn't work hard, admitting that he's not prepared during games, not getting loose till the fourth inning. But I'm telling you right now, this is not a player that you want around your young players with this young, talented crop of baseball players coming up. Um, I, I, I don't. I, and this is something that I know that I think Theo was very concerned with when they were talking about possibly extending these guys. 
They want guys around this young core that are going to help them be good professionals. This is not someone you want around young ball players. This is not something you want to emulate. I don't want a kid. If I had a kid on my baseball team that tried to emulate Javi Baez in this stuff, included, I would cut the kid from my roster. Why? Because this is not acceptable team behavior. This is not a good team player. The Cubs are in first place. The Cubs are in a one-run game. They've lost Javi Baez now for a, in a tight ball game after he already gave up the out. They're losing his defense, which hasn't been great. He's got like, you know, he's hit, only feeling like a 950 clip right now. Every great diving play is also then compounded with a, you know, a clank up the middle on a routine because he's trying to get cute. Um, it, it just, it's, it's constantly over and over again. And I, it, I have to take a deep breath one. Um, I just, uh, there's an issue right now. Uh, and, 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 you know, attitude reflects leadership. So I don't know, David Ross benched him. I, I hope that sends a signal, but it sounds like Jason Hayward just stopped running on another ground ball. Good job, Jason. You're hitting 140. Go give a speech to the wall for all I care. Overblown speech in the first place. Probably wasn't much of a speech. I bet he said something really minor and then everyone just went out and played because they're professionals. But hey, take your 27 million a year to do nothing. I just, I can't, I, I'm, there are some attitudes in this clubhouse that I'm just not, I'm not fond of. I, I, I can be honest, it's hard for me to enjoy and root for the Cubs with players playing. And again, to each their own. If you like Javi Baez and the way he plays, that's totally fine. I'm not going to judge you for that either. I prefer my baseball a certain way, and it's not an old man yelling at a cloud. I prefer guys that hustle and play the game right and play the game hard. Bell to bell. They don't take plays off. They don't, you know, I don't mind flashy. I love flashy. Flashy's fine. Be flashy all you want. Just don't fuck up when you're flashy. You fuck up when you're flashy, grab some pine, bitch. That's how it works. So I'm fine with people liking Javi, but the problem with Javi is there's a circus. It becomes a circus. It becomes this massive thing. It becomes the wheels come off constantly in this sense. Um, and so this is something that really, you know, uh, David Ross has to handle it. Uh, you know, but this is the thing that this is a guy that wants money, wants, wants an extended deal way above market value. He's asking for 200 million. No, sir. Go ahead and get that somewhere else. You can have that somewhere else, please. So, uh, you know, Rizzo is not having a great year. You know, KB's struggling right now. Javi's got six hits in the month of June. I mean, KB's got five, but at least he's getting on base at least a little bit. Both of them are struggling, but you don't see KB showing his ass. I'm telling you right now, the last person that got benched, the last time Chris Bryant got benched for not running out and hustling out a fly ball was his junior year of high school in the summer. Uh, I would believe the summer of 2009, between 2009 and 2010. You know why I know this? Because I'm the one that benched him. I didn't yell at him. Didn't eat his lunch. Routine fly ball to center. He was on second. He peels off at third thinking the ball's caught. Ball drops. I yell, run, run, run. He goes in. He scores. But we treat everybody the same way. The name on the front is more important than the name on the back. And so I walked over. I said, hey, not mad at you. You got to hustle things out. I'm going to replace you with Kyle Ross. Wrote his name, crossed his name off on the lineup, put Kyle Ross at shortstop, and we moved on, and we still won the game. Uh, But junior year of high school. Getting benched for this kind of stuff is not what happens to a professional baseball player that we consider the word professional. It happens to baseball players all the time. But professionals, it should never happen. So, sorry, that's my little vent. I'm, I'm, a little, <laughs> I'm a little frustrated, but it's, it, again, I'm tired of people apologizing and making excuses for this kind of behavior. It's not acceptable. It's not championship material. Well, I have to ask this question because you alluded to it as well. The fact that he wants a nine-figure contract starting with a two, to me, that's just, I mean, you see all these issues now with him. The, the, you know, the mental lapses, the missing meetings, the uh, let's just face it, dumb plays. And wasn't there a no look tag the other day that everyone's like, oh, cool. Look at that cool tag. And then it was overturned and the guy was safe. Yep. <laughs> KB's, by the way, just made a diving catch. The end. 
the top of the fifth inning from center field. Uh-oh. Savali's being checked out by the Indians trainers right now. That's not good. Of course, he's on my fantasy team. KB made Oops, a fantastic catch in center fingers. field. Really funny tweet, though. Marquee Network posts, what can't Chris Bryant do? Someone posted, get paid by the Cubs. <laughs> and I'll oh, no, pay Chris her- Bryant all day long. I don't. This is the thing that people don't get about me. I'm a Cub fan. I've been a Cub Savali, fan. Savali's out. Oh, that's good for the Cubs. I hope they can put some runs up here. But not, not good like, for my fantasy team. But it was. It looks like they were like something's wrong with his fingers. Blister? No. Like I don't know if he like ex- hyperextended one or a, something. Tendon in between doing, the the yeah. index and ring. Maybe could be. Yeah, that's that's where it looked like they were looking. I'm, I'm a little, this is so, this is so, by the way, those of you that are listening, I apologize, especially for my cursing. This is legitimately as recent as within the last 20 minutes. Like this is just happening as we were going live. Uh, we went to go get a, we, we both went and filled up our drinks, came back and started. So like I am, I was in, he could probably, Pete, pop, unfortunately probably could hear me grumbling from the kitchen. Cause I had the mic on. <laughs> I, I, I did hear you from the kitchen. Oh my God. But you know, it, it, this is, this is what we talk about. You know, what do you want with your organization? Do you want guys in your organization that, that, that uplift the game, that play the game, right? That aren't things you, you shouldn't have to look. Hey, Javi's a good person off the field. I'm sure he's a good father. He's a good husband. I'm sure. I'm sure you don't have to worry about him getting into trouble in the off season. I appreciate that, but you do have to worry about him getting ready for the season, the off season, the work ethic, all that stuff to prepare yourselves and improve isn't there for me. I'm not seeing it. This is why you see him get hot and get, he's, he's, he was playing pretty well into May. It took him like six weeks. Why? Because he didn't do the work in the off season. He had to wait till he got to spring training. And he was forced to work to get the work in, to be ready to go where he should have been six weeks before the season started. And that's where I get it. Again, the beef that I have, uh, he's a, he's, he, he's got all, uh, he's probably has the highest ceiling of any player in that dugout and in that clubhouse, which is why I get so frustrated. If Javi Baez just, just, just altered a little bit, took a little bit off, played the game a little bit, a little bit more reserved, not reserved, like in the sense of not being himself in, in, in the my, himself things, but showing up on time, preparing himself properly, following a routine, doing things that real professionals, like excellent professionals like Michael Jordan do. He could be the elite of the elite. And that's where I get so frustrated with him because I see the potential and it's higher than anybody else in that damn dugout. And he's going to waste it. And he's already po- at this point where it's not going to translate well. That swing when he is in two, two, three years, have fun, bud. Get a new spot. Well, Maybe I see adamantium if you I want. Don't, I have, I, I'm pretty sure I know how you feel about this because I believe we've talked about it before. I see him having a lot of back issues and soon, yeah. mm-hmm. just like I see Cody Bellinger having a lot of back issues and soon with those violent the violent swings that they take. He's already had multiple times this year during an at bat where it's like, Ooh, Javi's favoring himself a little bit. looks like that. He, that one looked like it hurt a little bit. Now yeah. I'm going to say this, call me a prognosticator since he is the king of excuses. I believe that after the season's over and if Javi doesn't have a, a, a as good a season as he would like, we're going to hear next spring training, wherever he's at. Well, I had a thumb injury all season. So that's why I didn't perform because every spring training is a new excuse as to why for the last three years, he has been a below average major league hitter. He's well, a 93 runs created plus WRC plus 93 hundred is an average major league hitter. He's a 93, but we talk about him in these ESPN broadcasts. Like he's hit, he's got a 140. like he's creating runs left and right. He doesn't, unless he walks into a mistake and pitchers are better. Now they're not making as many mistakes. He's beatable. 
And I can tell you right now, I've spoken to many major league pitchers. Oh. Who would you rather face? The bases loaded in the World Series Game 7. Bases loaded. Bottom of the ninth inning. Who would you rather face? Chris Bryant or Javi Baez? And it's not even, a, there's no hesitation. They're like, Javi Baez. Well, why? He's easy to beat. He's got to get him to roll over or chase something out of the zone. Chris, we saw in the game just a few minutes ago, he got down 0-2. What happens? He walked. He'll walk with the bases loaded. He'll take what you give him. Javi will not which is exciting, but it doesn't really translate to winning baseball. Well, I, I agree with everything you said. And it's something that I felt for a while. It's just to what bothers me about Javi Baez is he gets away with so much. There's always look at that great play that he made. Yeah. But you don't focus on the fact that in order to make that great play, he had to drop the ball and kick it (laughs) and then pick it up and throw it. Everybody's like, oh my God, look at that great play. Or the no-look tags. Well, the no-look tag got uh, overturned the other day, so how cool was that? Or how? And, and here's this too, Pete, not to cut you off, but there was a yeah. play yesterday or two days ago. Fantastic diving play by Javi, don't get me wrong. Yeah, Throwing towards the right field line, he threw a... a, a he, 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 he dirtied it. It was a bad throw. The throw was terrible, and Alcantara, a fantastic... Short hop scoop on a ball that it was a tweener. It wasn't like a short hop, just like a scooby scoop. It was like six to eight feet short hop. It wasn't a long hop. It was a short hop. Like it was, it was a rough one. Scoops it. Nobody says a damn thing about that. Like if, if Alcantara doesn't catch it, that ball goes down the right field corner. It wasn't a good throw. Like it wasn't a fully excellent play. It was a fantastic stop and dive and, and great there. When he popped up though, the throw was piss poor. Um, and that's a tough throw to make. He was bailed out by a fantastic scoop by his second baseman. No one said a word about the scoop. That that bothers me as a second baseman that's bailed out my shortstop and catcher a few times. That's that's what it is. But that, that's that's the stuff that kind of you know, again it just reinforces this maga circuit, this this El Mago circus thing that I'm just not a big fan of. I uh, it's just it's too much. It's too much. It's too much. It just it's too much of a distraction for winning baseball. I just I don't. It's not like he's doing. It's not like he's Reggie Jackson and out there. He's not killing it. It's a home run right. in a, in a, in a, when the team's up, you know, team's up four runs or something. Everyone talks about it, but it's not just about home runs. It's not just about RBI. It's it's there's so many different things in between that it's not that it's more complicated than just hit ball hard, hit ball far, scored run, you know, drive in runs. RBI is not a stat that I really care for. I care for runs scored, uh, runs created. That's huge. So I'm just I am really livid right now. That just really bothered me, but I'm over it. Now. Well, it and we can move well, on. Yes, because I I had took great pleasure in fueling the fire by sending you those videos. So yeah. you can, so everyone listening, you can blame me because I did fire him up. I'm like, look at this, look at this, he, and you I ba- just let him go on his way. You straight up bailed Juliana Zobrist out with that. My my ire <laughs> completely turned from her dumbass to Javi. So is it well? Is it uh, is it her dumbass or the uh, preacher man's dumbass or? Or what? It's, a I double, mean, it's really a that, double. It's a double dumbass. Yeah, and let me just say this to everybody: He had originally wanted to vent about the Juliana, Juliana, whatever it is, um, Zobrist. Still using his last name because it's more notable than hers. Yes, yes, the pop star that did his walk-up music, um, ranting about her and his and their uh, clergy person, maybe having a little. Uh, a tryst for a year, was it? At minimum a year. See, people that say, well, we just started only a year into it. They've been friends for 16 years. Yeah. 
I'm assuming yeah. when people say this kind of stuff, I'm usually assuming it's been going on much longer than most affairs last much longer than they admit to having. That just seems like it's a most affairs seem to have started at the point they got caught. Correct. Oh, we just started doing this. No, you've been banging each other for three years. You can just admit it. <laughs> but that was KFID's original rant was about that. And then I sent him some hobby video and you just heard the results of that. <laughs> you sound almost as angry as I did the other day. I, man. I, yeah. Well, and it, just the, it actually wasn't the mistake. It sucks. It's like a bonehead. It's a like dumbass. Yes. Yes. It was how he responded to Dave Ross and the dugout that got me going. That's. And to me, that's sort of. Ross should have beat not, his ass is what Ross should have really done, but that's unprofessional too. Right. Yes. <laughs> you know, Ross should have did a, uh, too bad Ross couldn't have done a Billy Martin, Reggie Jackson thing to him. Instead of pulling him out at the end of the inning, wait till he gets out on the field, then someone send someone out to go get him. And or famously Bobby Cox and Andrew Jones when Andrew Jones was a rookie. Are you kidding me? Then people would blame if Javi struggles on David Ross, just like they blame Tony La Russa for oh, yeah. Mercedes. There was he broke his <laughs> confidence. So he sent me Mertz. No. That, that Ross is a professional. Be- he did it right. And you know what? Yeah. We're gonna only see that part of it. You will not and we won't see the rest of what Rossi probably will do once he sees the video of Javi walking away. If I'm Rossi in that dugout. And after the game's over and I see that video, someone that I'm familiar with, like Javi, that I played with, like Javi, someone's going to really have a very, very intense conversation with me. That's just going to be how it works. But he's doing it in private, in the house, Mm in-house stuff. I don't care. You know, Ross needs to do something, but it's not our place to know what the hell Ross does. In-house, keep it in in the sanctum of the clubhouse. That's theirs. Whatever he does, if he beats Javi's ass, I bet you it should never come out. If he just says, Javi... You're fine. Then that's in-house. Kangaroo court, get him, whatever. But that's in-house. He, I'm glad that Ross did that, gave him enough. The only person that showed their ass in public was Javi, showing his ass walking away from David Ross. I appreciate the respect from Ross doing that as a professional. Javi's the bitch, always in this one. And, you know, that the situation plays out somewhat similar to, or let me back up a second. This this situation here plays out somewhat similar to the Yermin situation. And to your point, I'm really curious to see how, well, first I'm curious to see if Ross has asked about it. That's point one. Point two, I'm really curious to hear how he answers it because the, the mistake I think LaRusa made in that whole situation was not saying a very, this line or a variation of it. We have talked about it. It has been handled. End of story. All LaRusa needed to say on that whole you're mean thing. That's all. He didn't need to go into any other details or anything else, but LaRusa is, let's face it, LaRusa is the crusty, you know, the crusty old man. So he don't give a fuck. He don't. What are they going to do? Oh, they're going to let me go and I'm going to go, you know, take my money and live how I live the past 10 years. I'll get another job someplace else. Right, I don't out. care. <laughs> yeah, so just a it, sorry. sorry that's, just, that was me. that's me getting a screenshot of uh, the pitch being delivered from uh, Savello or whatever. And Javi yeah. with his hands on his hips and his left foot standing on the bag during the pitch delivery. <laughs> 
<laughs> it's a screen. I just want to keep that for my records. Yes. But, you know, the thing is, I don't begrudge anyone getting their payday. Right. Don't begrudge anyone. Absolutely. If Because what a lot of people don't understand is it takes two to tango. So I can go ask for $100 million at my job. You could go ask for $100 million at your job. That doesn't mean you're going to get it, but you can certainly ask for it. And if someone else wants to pay it, obviously they're worth that much because why would somebody pay that amount of money to someone if they didn't think they were worth it? Exactly. You know, which, which presents an interesting segue to me because I don't know if you saw it over the weekend. I'm sure you did. I posted a little three minute uh, venting session of my own and it had to do with the trade deadline and Rick Hahn hopefully making moves because there's this team, I think has the opportunity to go to the world series and to win it. I think they need to fortify themselves in order to do that, but they have the opportunity and I don't want to see, as I put it on there, the white Sox, white Sox it, meaning I don't want to see them fuck it up. Like they always do and half ass it, you know, They need to have the killer mentality. They need to go for it and they need to do what it takes this year. And I say this year because this year, God, this year is reminding me of 1994 so much because at least they're going to finish out the season before the CBA expires. Right. Right. (laughs) Which is a good thing, but which is a good thing. Yeah. So we will, we should have a world series this year. Hopefully the white Sox are in it. I'd love to see the White Sox and Cubs in it because I think Chicago would burn. There'd be another Chicago fire at some point, but or, or, or were to be put out with cup snakes. But but that C, the CBA is real. This the the distrust between players and management is real, and there's been no efforts whatsoever to try and bridge the gap in these very raw, tense feelings, both the player side especially has towards management. Because let's face it, management has raked the player side over to Coles in the last couple of agreements. So if management's looking for more of the same, it's going to be a hard sell for them. Mm-hmm. And the players are getting fed up. I mean, you heard, I don't know if you heard the story about Pete Alonso saying that the balls are being the balls are being made based on the free upcoming free agent class. So when pit the, the free agent class is predominantly pitchers, you get the rabbit ball. When the free agent class is predominantly hitters, you get the rag ball. This, the fact that not only the fact that Pete Alonzo said it and people are going, Oh, that's just a goofy, dumb statement. The problem is some reporters asked other players on other teams if they felt that way. And they said, yes, they do. This is a big, the CBA could be a big problem. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people are for the White Sox are saying you can't trade away the future. Well, there might not be a 2022 future for all we know. And you're going to, you might lose another year of development for these prospects. And again, 1994, the Sox until 2005. I still think the 94 team was better than 2005 to be completely honest. 
Mm-hmm. They had the best chance to go to the World Series I ever saw. Even better than 05. Better than 83. They were a much more balanced team than either one of those teams. And it all got pissed away on August 12th, 1994. I remember today like it was yesterday. Because I remember, oh, they should settle this in a couple of weeks because they're not dumb enough to cancel the season and the World Series. That'd be committing suicide. Well, they did it. So... It You know, people need to understand something else, especially about the owner of the White Sox. He is a fan of baseball. There's no denying that. But he's a fan of money more. Mm-hmm. And money will win out in this. And that's why I'm fearful for the trade deadline that they're going to half-ass it because you're already hearing him saying, oh, you know, oh, Eloy's already starting the road to recovery back. He's starting, you know, he's been cleared for baseball activity, so he should be able to ramp up in a month. It's the hope versus, you know, make mentality of your luck. Hope for luck versus make your, make your luck. The White Sox are again, as they always do, hoping for luck. They're not going out and making it. They have a prime opportunity to take the American league and put their foot on the throat of the American league and take it, but they won't do that. Why should we do that? Because we should be able to win the division and then we'll see what happens in the playoffs. Well, what's going to happen in the playoffs very well could be what happened in Houston over the weekend. You met a team that is a good team. Cheating or non-cheating aside, whether they were using garbage cans or or buzzers or whatever it may be. They weren't this weekend. Yes, they and worried about what they did in the past doesn't mean that the current product is cheating. That's that is true. Lo and behold, it's gone. It's yes, they were and good. And it was, yes, it was the, I'll be, I'll be honest with you. They were playing the best baseball I've seen any opponent of the White Sox play this season by a mile. And it just is, you have to understand once October rolls around, you're only facing number ones and number twos. You're not getting, you're not getting the scrub left-handed starter that, you know, has a two and eight record with a six ERA, you're not going to see that. You're going to get a steady diet of guys with nasty stuff. And the reason that they're there is because they help pitch their team there. That's why they're good. And you need to be ready for this. And I don't know if the, if the White Sox are ready for it. And somebody mentioned this in a tweet and I'm sorry to whoever it is for not giving you credit for this, but I can't remember who it was that the White Sox are built to win the AL central. As of right now, I'd say, yes, that is the same problem. The twins had all these years. Look at the twins twins ran away with the AL central. What happens when they go against competition from different divisions, three games and you're out two games and you're out, whatever it may be, whatever the series length was right. Automatically went home. I don't want to see that happen to the White Sox. I want to see them have a more a more structured attack than just to attack the AL Central teams. And to me, in order to do that, you need to you need to address second base somehow. I like Danny Mendick, but I don't think Danny Mendick's an everyday player. I prefer him as the swing guy at second, short, and third. Lurie Garcia, I prefer him as a swing guy. So you need to go out and at a minimum address second base. I would also say 
I would like to see you go out and get another bullpen arm because some of these guys ain't living up to what they were, what they were. And bullpens are so volatile from year to year that Mm -hmm. you should have some kind of plan in place to change over for pitcher a or B who was great last year, but who sucks this year, maybe because they were overused and to, and let me say something else to all the people who are complaining that, you know, Liam Hendricks, isn't getting into games and, you know, and is warming up, but not getting in and everything else. Let me say this. If he got into the number of games that all you people wanted him to get into, his arm would fall off at the end of the year. And then you'd be blaming Tony LaRusso for over pitching him. So you can't have it both ways. You can't scream for him to pitch every day. And then when it comes time, scream that, Oh, he was overused. It's one or the other. You can't have it both ways. And also to Ben Verlander, for that ridiculous, ridiculous article saying that it was Tony LaRusso's fault that your mean Mercedes went into a slump. If your mean Mercedes was that weak, weak-minded, weak-willed, whatever term you want to use, he would. that's the reason why he's a 28-year-old rookie who's, this is the first sniff of the major leagues he's ever gotten. He shouldn't be here if he's that weak. To be quite honest, he should not be on the team. He should not be in the majors if he's that weak minded where he's criticized by his boss. Does this sound like real life, by the way, if he's criticized by his boss and he can't function after that? Mm-hmm. Mental you know, weakness. Yes. Not all someone of you want in game seven of the World Series when shit's on the line and everybody's yep. hair's on fire. Yep. You want you want the person that can handle everything. Yep, exactly. Exactly. And it's just a case where, you know, From the suburbs, Some, someone's someone's <laughs> calling me, so I'm trying to I'm trying to mute my uh, my microphone and my speaker, you know, while the speaker's talking, telling me who's calling. <laughs> we know it's from but, the suburbs, though. It's a seven oh eight. Yes, that is correct. It is from the suburbs. Uh, <laughs> but again, the CBA has me concerned. The CBA has me concerned because there's been nothing about the CBA. Mm-hmm. There hasn't been a. Because you know that if Tony Clark and Manfred met or talked, whatever it may be, you'd have Heyman, Rosenthal, all those guys saying, oh, they just had their first talks about the CBA and everything else. And it expires December 2nd, is it? Or December 7th? Somewhere around there it expires. And with that, it expires right before the winter meetings, by the way. I want to say a couple of days before the winter meetings are scheduled for. So who knows if the winter meetings will even take place? And that's that's a real huge concern. I you know I've spoke to Chase and Treve. He's a reliever mm-hmm. for the Pirates, who I've known for almost twenty years now. <clears throat> and his, you know, he's actually in a weird situation. He's actually the Pirates played service time games with him on his minor league contract, which basically allowed and afforded them an additional year of control once they actually brought him up two days before his opt-out date. So they played some manipulation there. As a result, his contract is extended to next year, 2022. So they have team control in 2022 in a weird way. Like he flat out his word, it's going to be a shit show. Uh, The collective bargaining, the CBA stuff is going to be terrible. He is actually thankful that he got manipulated because he'll be his contract will still revert to the pre CBA CBA. Well, obviously grandfathered in because of the service time, which will be covered in 
the collective bargaining agreement. So like, it's a weird kind of like, oops, thank you. Like blessing in disguise for them being shitty. He's going to get rewarded a little bit. They're going to still owe him whatever, how many million dollars. Um, but this CBA is going to get ugly. Uh, I, I don't, I don't think I've spoken to a single player that, that is in professional baseball, whether they're in the show or they're minor leaguers, you know, which we have a ton of those here in Vegas. We talk to them you know, on a regular basis. I don't think a single one of them have said, I can't wait till they figure this out. Everybody is expecting the worst. They're planning for the worst and hoping for the best. But there's, you know, you can shit in one hand and hope in the other and see which one fills up first in this case because Major League Baseball is going to uh, drop the ball like they did with the substances. There's no faith. Yes, there is no faith. And the more you hear the players talk, the, the clearer it becomes. And, you know, Kay, I hate to pick on KB for this, but the KB situation is one of the right, you know, driving factors for this with what happened to him with the uh, service time manipulation for the Cubs to get that extra year, which by the way, is this year, how fitting (laughs) (laughs) he might finish out the season. And then Hey, his issues are part of what drives the, a possible lockout in 2022 or a strike. Who knows which way it's going to go. I, I hate to say this. I try to be optimistic, but I don't think we'll be seeing 2022 start on time. I, I think it I might hope that's wind not up the case. like 2020. Oh, I hope we don't get a 60 gamer. I, you know, and the whole you know, we saw we saw the precursor when we were you know dealing with the pandemic and the COVID um, negotiations with coming back to work and all that stuff and the and the testing and the and the you know and the, and the masks and blah blah blah. It was a horrible experience. It showed that those two mm-hmm. sides are are so at odds with each other and. I'm going to say this a million times over. Like, for example, people like Scott Boris, it has been a concerted effort from owners for 20 years to publicly paint Scott Boris as the devil because he wants to get players more of their share of the profits that they bring in as the athletes in Major League Baseball. Imagine siding with the billionaire owners who refuse to give the players more of the profit that we as fans pay to go see. I don't pay a dime to go see Ricketts dumbass. I don't want to see Jerry with his shirt off in, in, a, in a booth. I'm not coming there to see that stuff. I'm there to see the players. Those are the dudes that need to be compensated. They've spent 20 some odd years, 30 some odd years at this point now, making him like the devil. And when you get to these collective bargaining agreements, there's one thing that's been truthful the entire time. These owners are full of shit. They won't open their books. They won't let the public see exactly what's going on nor will they let the union see what's going on. So they can't, how can you negotiate in good faith if you don't have all of the accurate data and information? You're, you're negotiating blind. And that's just, that's just what the owners do. And that's, that's going to be the big thing is the owners, if they want this to really work, they're going to have to open the books. They're going to have to show losses, biblical losses in Ricketts' words or not. And it, they don't get to have the high ground on that if they don't show it. You can say it all you want. Nobody cares. Show it. If but you are one team. if you are doing it, show us the books and then I'll believe you. I don't believe you because you're they've gaslit the baseball fandom for so long. The fact that Scott Boris, who fights for the common person, is a villain, it, it, it's inc- it's incredible to me that Scott Boris is the villain to me. I, I just I it, it, it's like it's like rooting for the emperor. You people that love and that hate Scott Boris are rooting for Palpatine in Star Wars. End of story. Or Darth or Darth Vader and the Emperor. Yep. Exactly. And the funny thing about it, I'll say two things. First, 
if I'm a player, what would be the one I know who I would want as my agent, the guy who's going to try and squeeze every single possible penny for me out of the ownership group. So I would want Scott Boris as my agent without question. That's number one. And if anyone, and you know, you get people all the time who say, Oh, they, those players make too much money. Okay. Let me, I, I wish I had the ability just once to throw a hundred million dollar contract in front of this person and say, here, I'll pay you this. Because if someone threw that in front of me, the only question I'd have is where's the pen. And, and second, you know, Again, I don't begrudge the players for getting money, but there is one team that really can play a critical part in in this whole negotiation because part of their financial info is public, and that's the Atlanta Braves because they're owned by Liberty Media, which is a publicly traded company, which provides an annual report every year outlining their profit and loss. And guess what? They have to break it down by business unit. Guess who a business unit of Liberty Media is? The Atlanta Braves. So if if it becomes that the you know the the standard argument, you know, we're losing biblical, you know, we're losing biblically, you know, in biblical proportions, which I agree, I think that's a crock because A, if you were losing money in biblical proportions, you'd be selling that team faster than I, you know, faster than anything else. That's that's the, number one. That's the smoke that people are not understanding. If you can't afford to run your restaurant or open it or pay your employees, you have to sell. You get out. It's yes. the, they're not making the profits. They're getting they're losing biblically, they're, they're they're biblically lower on the profit margin, not the budget margin. Yes. And that's where people Yes, and need to get that's where people not don't making, get it. It's the dudes at the table that can't just break even once in a while. They have to get that extra $5 yeah. chip. Yes. And it's like the Jerry Krause, uh, the old Jerry Krause line about trades. You have to throw in a sweetener. You have to throw in a sweetener. It's, you know, I'll use a real world example. I spent many years at a company that was known as Big Blue. I won't say the company name, but it's got eight. There's eight bars. It's three letters. Everyone knows who it is, but I'm not going to say the name. And if you don't know and you want to send me a DM, I will tell you, but they are a publicly traded company, one of the Dow 30, by the way. And their trick was they actually had two sets of numbers. And this was perfectly legal for them to do. They had a set of numbers that they reported to Wall Street so they could talk about how, oh, we had record profits, record earnings, and everything else. But there was a separate set of numbers, the targets that the employees were were judged against, which were seemingly never met because, oh, we didn't meet our numbers. Yeah, but you told Wall Street you had record profits and everything else. So it was a way to it was a way to try and compress, you know, uh, employees' salaries, employees' bonuses, and everything else. It, it reminds, was a way to do that. It reminds me of American Airlines furloughing people while, like, they were giving away like. Ten point million, you know, ten point seven million dollar bonuses after getting that six billion dollar bailout or whatever they got, because they they doubled down mm-hmm. on their stock to make additional profits and then got burned because the market obviously crashed because they were buying back stock of their own company. Yep, it's just it's yep. we we so frequently find ourselves inadvertently manipulated and 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 arguing the case for these people when 
we sometimes tend to, you know, we don't, we, we, we miss us in the argument. Arguing for those people is yes. not representative of us. The people that represent us, the players or the common, per, you know, the Great. common person. And it's the same thing with like okay. these organizations. It's just, you know, we, we end up, we end up somehow supporting and whether it's in politics, we support politics that benefit people that are not us. It benefits the, the, the people that are making people that don't pay taxes at all. They find their loopholes and you know, they move their money to offshore accounts. We rep, you know, we, we, we sometimes inadvertently find ourselves accidentally or, or, you know, I don't think anybody purposely would do this, but supporting things that hurt us in the end and, mm -hmm. and help someone that has no vested interest in who we are or what our plight is or what we're, who we are as, as humans. So like, it's such a weird thing, but it, it really is. It's, and that's what makes like, you know, you talk about like companies, you know, you've got marquee network, you know, which is basically a mouthpiece for Tom Ricketts. You've got Sinclair media, which owns them, which has proven to be a mouthpiece. I don't think that it's a shock. Like for example, that Tom Ricketts is using some of his influence to keep the white Sox isolated as the Chicago market and not letting them grow nationally. Call me a conspiracy theory on that one. I believe that that's what these owners do. If there's more profit when the White Sox are just, it's, he probably looks at the White Sox fan base as a virus. If you can contain the virus on the South side and not let it become a national brand. Well, he, you as know, the Cubs, basically build a wall around it. Correct. Basically. And, and, and then the Cubs can continue to get the national, which they are, mm -hmm. can't hide it. They are the national brand. He can continue to rate the profits. But if the White Sox somehow all of a sudden started getting national cred, and people started, he's going to lose money. I don't think he, I don't find it. It's not shocking to me if, if we found out that there is some leaning on the, on, on how the media does. There's flack, man. It's universally known that if you cross the Cubs, they pull your press credential. I've heard well, that story a million that, times now. That's, that's been known for years because the Tribune did it without question and say what you want about him. But uh, God, who was the the reporter, one of the idiots who used to work for the Tribune when Frank Thomas was elected to the Hall of Fame. And this is on YouTube and I'll have to pull it up. And uh, he was with Stephen Smith, the one who Troy Aikman hates. Not not. Uh, um, oh, crud. Yeah. Now I just do the mix. All I can think of, all I'm picturing in my head is Sully, which not. No, not. He, well, he's he's another uh, beauty. Now who's the, what's what's the one guy? Because he Sully blocked me on Twitter, by the way. Sully blocks a lot of people on Twitter. I had no idea I was blocked by Sully. I just clicked on like, why is that? Why is that link not coming up? Why like someone sent like a, an article? I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, oh, yeah. it's because I made fun of him because he was all bougie when there was tourists in the press box in San Diego. Oh my God! Four hours before the game, these fans were allowed into the press box. This is a work area. There's one person in front of him, and Jackass took a picture of that person's laptop while they yeah. were reading personal emails. I made fun of him for it. I didn't realize he right. blocked me for it. Phil Rogers, that maybe you're thinking of him. He didn't block me. No, I no. gave Philly some guff too, but Phil's good. And, and you know, Gordon Whitmire, he yeah. wears it and he doesn't block you, but Sully's a little troll. He's a little, I don't read his shit anyway, but yeah, looks like, he looks like a, looks was, like a poor man's George Young from like the real <laughs> one. though. He's fine. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking up right now because it's going to drive me freaking insane. If I don't find it, um, uh, you know, he used to be partners with Stephen A. Smith. Oh, not uh, Jay Mariotti? No, not Mariotti, not the fool. other idiot. I like um, Stephen A. Smith. You're talking about, so he was Chicago media, not? Yes. He was with the Tribune in the 90s. Oh, hold on. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get an answer to this question. 
I know it's driving me nuts and I'm looking to try and find it. Cause he used to, he used to have that show with Stephen A. Smith. Co-host. Yes. Let's see what we got. Uh, Skip Bayless. Is that what you're Yes. About? That's oh, who Skip. I'm thinking. Oh yeah. Skip was, I forgot. Skip was in Chicago, wasn't he? Yes. Yes. He was so with the sun. Was he with the sun times so, or the tribune? I thought it was trip. tribune. He's trip. He was trip. He was trip. He was trip. Yeah. Mariotti, so, Mariotti was sometimes. Yes, Mariotti was on the Sun Times. Right. Mariotti, you know how Mariotti lost his job with the Sun Times, don't you? Hey, did you ever hear the story? He like it's his, priceless. Didn't he like choke his girlfriend out or something? No, he that happened after. Oh, okay. No, he went in to the editor of the Sun Times in full view of everybody and said, "You know, I demand to, I demand you let me publish this column tomorrow." And it wasn't his day. And the editor said no. And he goes, if you don't allow me to publish this column, I'm going to quit. And the editor told him in front of everybody, okay, have your resignation letter on my desk tomorrow morning. And walked away. <laughs> Good editor is what that is. <laughs> editor, edit, we, we, we know this. Like, this is a, this is a sad, you know, you still have the story and I'm, I'm totally going to go on uh-huh. a side tangent. But uh-huh. we talk about journalism today. It was always the editors, the real editors that were like the gatekeepers of like good quality content. And yes. because we now live in an internet age where you could, you are basically posting your stories at a, um, on a, on like a WordPress. Um, and file. not only that, but it's more important to be first than be right. Yeah. And, but, but they've also, uh, the, I know this was like rampant across the country. Most publications fired a lot of their editors. It was, yes. and this is why you're seeing more typos as well, but they're, they have someone that could edit content, but they're not, they're, it's not the typical editors that we're talking about. Like, you know, um, like, like when, when, um, you know, newspaper, especially journalism, uh, was the, um, like the, the standard for everything. I mean, you know, you know, we're talking about like with the, the, whether it's Marty Baron for the guy from the post or, um, you know, he's actually pretty decent or, um, like what was it from the V from the Pentagon papers? Um, Oh, uh, the guy from the New York Times. The guy from the I can't Times. think of his name. Um, and then, of course, Neil Woodward Sheehan. and Bernstein. Neil Sheehan. Neil Sheehan. Neil Sheehan. Yeah. Neil um, Sheehan. And then Woodward and Bernstein with Ben Bradley with the Washington Post. And, and Ben Bradley. Yep. And, and we don't have those anymore. They're, those jobs no. have been eliminated because they're cost. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not. People are writing from home. You don't have to be in the office. They're not. You know, they're they're not doing it the same way that it used to be. Now it's Internet. And then we'll, we'll throw out a publication that that some people read. But but print as a as an actual medium is dying. It's been dying for 30 yes. years now, 20 years now. Um, and so these, this is another problem that you're having with some of these, the, the writers that we get today is that they're not getting checked. They're not getting held in check. They're not, mm-hmm. they're writing what they write. Nobody, nobody's the wiser unless it becomes a controversy. Then they just decan them. It's, it's weird, you know, or you play it safe and you become a mouthpiece for the, the, the team that you cover or the, the, you know, or the government part that you cover and you don't make waves and you keep your job. And so the, the old days of the, the idealistic journalism is, is kind of dead because there's no profit in it and people can't pay the bills and feed their families, um, you know, running and around and, 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 and doing their job. Like, which, which is what makes it, it's, it's like, it's like thinking you're going to be a high paid pastor or, or a high paid, you know, social worker you're, or a high paid teacher. You're not going in it for the money. And, and, you know, unfortunately hard hitting journalism is not a well-paying job unless you publish a book and it still doesn't pay well. Yes, correct. And but getting back to my point about Skip Bayless, this is on YouTube because I've watched it numerous times. Stephen A. Smith went then this goes back to 2014 when Frank Thomas was elected to the Hall of Fame. Stephen A. Smith asked Skip Bayless point blank. 
you were in Chicago in the 90s. You went and investigated Frank Thomas to find out if he was doing steroids and you couldn't find anything. He said, yes, the Tribune made me look extensively at Frank Thomas to make sure he wasn't doing steroids. Because the Tribune knew that Sammy was and they wanted to get out in front because remember, for those who don't remember, the Tribune owned the Cubs back then. Correct. Zell. And was it Zell? This was before Zell got there. Oh, it was even before Zell. Yes. Because Zell came in about 2000. Because the, the weird thing about Sam Zell, to be honest with you, he was a minority owner of the White Sox when that acquisition came about. And he had to get a special waiver from MLB about having business interest in both teams. So, and Bayless admitted the Tribune wanted steroid dirt on Frank Thomas. So that, and, and, you know, he didn't say this part, but it was obvious what it was for because they knew Sammy was, and therefore they had something against the crosstown guy who they could drum it up and everything else to deflect from their asset. Mm. That's I mean, it, you, you can't fault it as bad business. It's just, it's, no. good, it's good business, but it's cutthroat. And that's just, yes, it's, and, it's unfortunate and the, because it harms the game. Yes. As it to growing the game, it, it, mm-hmm. it, you're hoarding a fan base. In essence, you're not allowing them to experience the entire breadth of what the game has to offer. And that's, yes. the, that's really where I have the problem with it because why, you know, why should Cub fans and Sox fans, why, why can't you be both? Well, because you've been conditioned to, you know, this and that. And if, if the media were like, Hey, this is great for everybody. You can have a little bit of a rivalry, but it could actually be more inclusive, which drives content, which drives, um, you know, income and revenue allows both teams to thrive. And when both teams are thriving in Chicago, Chicago is a very special place. It was very special in May. Both teams are struggling in June. It's probably a little bit, a little more intense right now, but if the Cubs and the white Sox are both playing well, it's good for the entire community. And unfortunately, that mindset isn't as important as maintaining your market and your profit line, keeping the White Sox fan base isolated in our little bubble, right? Keep them in. Yep. Keep the wall up. And, and what bothers me about it so much, I agree with everything you've said, but in a lot of respects, the White Sox have no one to blame but themselves because they let it happen. Mm-hmm. They let it happen by rolling out sports channel 10 years too early. They let it happen by taking them off of free TV and the Cubs just having the perfect timing of being on WGN as cable exploded. Why do the Cubs, the Mets and the Braves all have these huge fan bases spread throughout the country when they really didn't win at didn't win much because they had super stations that broadcast their games on cable TV for years. I remember especially, watching especially the especially Cubs and, and Braves because TBS yes. TBS and WGN were the big ones. WGN obviously being bigger TBS, than, right? But TBS also walked into a Braves team that basically went to the postseason every year for like feels like a generation. Yeah, and that also helps. <laughs> that also helps. It's like which was great for them. Obviously Turner and Ted, rest in peace, Ted, by one of the most genius you know media moguls ever. That that was perfect. That was perfect timing. It's you know it's not just about you know, product, it's about timing and, and the product and the timing hit for them. I think in the 84, especially WGM was blowing up at that point. 
Cubs were good. Um, and it was exciting. And, you know, that's the, that's, that's a, that's a, that's a accidental stumble into, or maybe not accidental, maybe brilliant, but either way, it, 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 it gives them an additional boost and it, power. It was, acci- it was accidental from the team roster perspective. It was not accidental from putting the games on there and having them be on, you know, on WGN and having, having it beamed throughout the country because back then there were no rules about ha- having something like that. There have since been rules put in place. And can I say one other thing to your point about teams being cutthroat and everything else? There is a perfect example of it that has happened within the last five years. Look at the San Francisco giants refusing to allow Oakland to move to San Jose. Cause that is their market. Mm-hmm. Just like that. Well, I mean, in, in pro sports in general, the 49ers pulled that same stuff too, not allowing the Raiders to play at Levi stadium after they lost that lease, after they were announced, they were coming to Vegas. The uh, what's it called? They tried to like up the price for the lease at uh, yes. Coliseum. Or well, they, they extended the lease at the Coliseum for, for what? Two years. I think it was. But while that, the stadium, while the stadium was being built in Vegas. Correct. But before that, they were actually, they didn't, they were going to play. They, they, it was talked about that they might play at Sam Boyd until there, but that was not a, it's not NFL like acceptable. And so they were, they inquired about Levi stadium and the Niners and the Niners. And they were like, no, you can't. Sorry. Right. So yeah. Like then they had to, then they had to sign a really bad two year deal while the stadium was with, being built. Right. With the Oakland Alameda County Coliseum, mm-hmm. which have you ever been there? No. Oh, it may be the only place worse than Tampa. Oh. <laughs> it the only difference is Tampa on the outside looks beautiful. Once you get inside, it's like a dungeon. Oakland, it looks like it looks it looks like a war zone. No matter which way you're looking at it. Eric Sogart just struck out with runners at second, third, and the bottom of the seventh. And yes, it's I time saw that. to fire him into the sun. <laughs> DFA. Bye bye. Yeah. But speaking of stadiums, what do you think of the big news? It's actually a, it, the big news is actually a two part thing. The first part is the Chicago Bears organization submitting an offer for the land at Ar- the Arlington Park race course, which is a, a, a piece of land that has been rumored for years. I want to say since the eighties that the bears would be interested in buying and building up. And two, a lot of fans have expressed an interest in moving the white Sox to a renovated soldier field, renovating it into a baseball stadium. I don't know how that would work, but what do you think? Because I have some very specific thoughts about it. So I'm just curious to hear what you have to say. Uh, it's there's something special about Soldier Field. Not always the good special, <laughs> or the location is beautiful. But this is, I, I, I mean, this is how long has this been going on? Like the discussion about this, though. Like what the the Arlington Park thing? I I want to say. It feels like it's been I around see. for a long time. Like, cause Arlington's been back Arlington's been back and forth. Like it felt like they were always borderline bankrupt every year. And it, I feel like I've I want to say this. since the fire in the eighties. Like, so it's been, this has been a discussion that's been just really slow moving. <laughs> right. But I want to say since they had that fire there in what's it? 85, I think that 
that convenient fire under questionable uh, <laughs> circumstances. But I want to say that that's the first time I remember hearing it, but it could have been even earlier than that because the thing is the bears would own the land. They would have to pay for construction. And to all those people saying, oh, well, the bears are going to buy the land and then they're going to sell the team. And then the new, the new owner can do whatever they want. They wouldn't lay out that kind of money to buy a team or to, to, to buy land like that if they had any intention of selling it before they built on it. Because you could realize so much more money by building on it and building a state-of-the-art stadium. I think that's what it all boils down to. Mm-hmm. Going to watch Bears games at Soldier Field, it's a pain in the ass to get in and out of because there's no close transportation to it. Parking's a disaster trying to leave the parking lot after a game because they're shooing you away from tailgating. So they're like going, get in your car, get in your car and get out of here. And then you're just stuck sitting there in your car like, oh, what do I do now? I can move five feet. (laughs) Walking, taking the walk to the uh, train station at Roosevelt, basically Roosevelt and Wabash is a pain, especially when it's colder out, especially at night, too. And it's just there's nothing convenient about it for the fans. But that's not the, the problem with it. The problem is you can't have a Super Bowl there. It's the lowest seating capacity in the NFL. 61,000, basically. It, it So you have limited seating capacity. And you have limited owners' dreams and skyboxes and everything else. So if the Bears are smart, if. And I say if with capital I, capital F, if they will build, if they are able to get this land, they will build an all-purpose football stadium, meaning it has a dome and it has like 90 to 100,000 seats so that you can also have concerts there. Yeah, Soldier Field has concerts now. That's fine. You can have a Super Bowl there. Because they're not going to bring a Super Bowl to Soldier Field with 60,000 seats. You could have an NCAA football championship game there. Because, again, they're not going to bring that game to Soldier Field in January with 60,000 seats. You could have a Final Four tourney there. Because, again, they're not going to bring the Final Four championships to the United Center with only 20,000 seats. So, it makes sense to do it for all those reasons. And if they do it smart, they could build a little village around it. Similar to what the Cardinals did with that ballpark village that they did something like that. But if they're really, really smart, you know what else they build there? A casino. Hmm. I, uh, I actually don't disagree with you on most of what you said, but mm-hmm. I have to ask this question because I, I, I honestly, it's this is for the community that's going to be affected by it. It's one thing for Vegas to host a Super Bowl. We're used to like yes. millions of millions of tourists invading our city. It's what our city was built for. Think about the Northwest suburbs, Arlington Heights, Palatine. Now, you know, go down to Schaumburg, Shompton, you know, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Roselle, Woodfield. Woodfield, like, right. Um, 
And like those times, like the only argument that I'm not, like, I don't think that every, why does everyone want to host a Super Bowl? They're not actually profitable for most communities. Um, Vegas is different. Again, uh, I think other than Vegas and like Jacksonville, nobody makes a profit. Your, your, your city doesn't make a profit when you have, when you host a Super Bowl. It actually is, it actually is a drain on the economy. It's actually been proven to be not good. The only reason I think that I think Vegas is going to get the Super Bowl in 2024, I think is what's going to happen. But that's because we're built for like we're people aren't just coming to Vegas for the game. You know, people aren't coming to Arlington Heights for the Super Bowl and they're going to, they're not going to spend a week in Arlington Heights before the Super Bowl. They're going to come for the weekend. That's fine. But Vegas, you're going to come on a Monday. If you're, if you're dropping the dough on a Super Bowl ticket, which that means you're someone of means you're going to make it, you're going to make it an event. And, and, and with, with that, it, it becomes a real issue in the community. Again, is your community built to handle a huge influx like that? That's the only thing I worry about. Um, Vegas, obviously, we could, a, take, we, could, we could take that influx. It, it's like it's called Tuesday for us. Um, and so when you talk about Minnesota or a, a sub, suburban area, um, it's it's just it's really difficult to host those kind of things. And I, I think that that's a, I, I understand the obsession with hosting a Super Bowl for the events. But I think if I went to a Super Bowl, I'd rather go to a Super Bowl outside of my own community. Uh, I think it would be getting to work every day when all that stuff's going on. It's going to be brutal and. There's going to be a lot more. There's going to be upticks and a whole bunch of other things that go around. I mean, it just it, it's it's something. All the other stuff sounds really great. It's just I think hosting the Super Bowl should be the the of of all those should be the least uh, of the selling points. I, I not every place should be hosting the Super Bowl. I think the Arlington Heights would not be a great suitable place to host it. No offense to Arlington Heights, which was I mean Barrington Square is awesome, but um, a couple of things real quick based on what you just said. The hosting of the Super Bowl, that is more of an ego thing than anything else for the founding franchise of the NFL. Well, that makes more sense. That works. Right. That's an ego thing more than anything else. That is solely ego. Uh, Because remember, how many times do you hear them say we are the founding franchise of the NFL? I always wonder if Packer fans care if they like. Hosted up at Lambeau, like ah, get screw Lambeau. Let's build a big no, stadium. They, so they get to go. They get to go to more than the Bears fans do. It's true. It's called <laughs> sad as many you know, lately though. So <laughs> and been enough time. But I, right. I think it's and, a good. I think it's a good thing. The, the stadium thing. I think again, access making it easier. You know, there's a good hub there. Um, yes. Tra- you know, travel is going to be much easier. There's obviously much, just much more access. All those work. That that's all. Those are all really good options and what, what sell it as, as a move nostalgia, probably again, weighs heavy for me, but what's best for the bears. What will bring up bears world championship, you know, super bowl and, and more of them as many as possible, whatever does that best. I'm in for that. So whatever yeah. helps the team. win, and, That's it. Well, this, and also don't forget, there's a couple things to remember about a new stadium in Arlington Heights, all those juicy PSL fees that people will pay Mm -hmm. in order to either get or protect their, their season tickets for the bears. You sound like, you know, something about PCLs. (laughs) And I do know something about PSLs. And let me tell you, they can be, if played correctly, a very lucrative uh, item to own not only for the team issuing them, but for the owner to hold for a couple of years and then maybe sell half of it for to cover the cost of the whole thing. But uh, FYI is for nothing now. 
Oh, they, they drive them in with two outs. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and as far as the, the Super Bowl in Las Vegas, look around 20 in like January 20 or February 2025. Is that the open one? I don't know. There was, there was the window open. Is that what it was? I, 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 maybe I said 2024, but I, there's a window yeah. where they have not. Uh, yeah. Yes. And uh, just a little inside info. I know somebody who signed a PSL agreement with the Raiders and the subject oh, of Super Bowls and NCAA football title games was discussed. And the date of February 2025 was thrown out for a yep. Super Bowl. Cause yeah, because they're in they're in uh, Glendale, they're Inglewood this year, which is the new Ram Stadium. We knew that. Yes. Um, and then Mercedes, they're in New Orleans, what used to be the Sugar Bowl, basically uh, the Superdome uh, yes. for twenty twenty four. The that's the one. So the twenty twenty five is the one that has the which is at, at the end of the twenty twenty four season. That's played in February twenty five. No, this is February twenty fourth. Yeah, right. We're talking. Well, this is February fourth, twenty twenty four. Is the last one they have listed. Right. So it'll be whatever that Sunday the first Sunday in February twenty twenty five. Yes, the fall twenty twenty four season will be yes right yes and don't forget the Bears could make a fortune you know people go I don't see the Bears spending that much money to build a new stadium and everything else well if you partner with a casino company and let's face it the Bears have been around since nineteen twenty I'm sure they got some connections with some casino companies just a hunch (laughs) yeah so i could see i don't know like a harrah's or or i should say caesar's or what are they now el dorado or whatever whoever owns them Uh, it's 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 been a little bit of a change you're talking about caesar's entertainment yes Uh, it's like it's el dorado now isn't it i think so because yeah they just sold like six months ago yes you know it might be Oh, what the hell! Fans throwing shit on the field. It looks like. Oh, good. Because you're probably going to see a stoppage in play. Because there's some. Looks like there's some maintenance yeah. guys out there cleaning shit up. So on the, El Dorado Entertainment bought Harris Entertainment, which owns Caesars yes, owns Entertainment, Caesars. or was formerly yes. named Caesars. So yeah, it's El yes. Dorado Entertainment. They bought it. Yeah, last fall. Yeah, because Harris bought Caesars, but they kept the Caesars name because that has more prestige than. The Harris name. Yeah. And I'm going to say, I want to stay. Let's go stay at the right. El Dorado. Well, we actually used to be a hotel called the El Dorado. Um, yeah. Not the same thing. Right. Caesars is an iconic right. name. They're not going to they're well, gonna get rid what... of the, the, the bar, <laughs> your favorite. Yeah. Cleopatra's Barge. Yes. I, I love that place. And I remember the first time I went there on a guy trip. Well, the first time I went to Vegas was with my parents. But the first time I went as part of a guy trip, bachelor party. Of course, we went to Cleopatra's barge and, you know, gave her a reach around. <laughs> the old Beavis and Butthead. <laughs> yes. Staring up before, and laughing. Before Beavis and Butthead, that movie came out. Yes, I did that. <laughs> but, no, the Bears, they can make a mint because they could sell all those precious skyboxes and sweets and everything else. And they can also sell all the PSLs to all the season ticket holders because they got that ridiculous waiting list for season ticket holders. It took me almost, I want to say nine seasons 
for my number to come up on the bear season ticket holder waiting list. It took nine years. So, and that I put in before they went to the Super Bowl in 2000, after the 2006 season. And I want to say I put in in 2004 and I got him in 13. So it's, it takes a while to get through that, but with as bad as they have been, they probably were cycling through a lot more. And I wouldn't be surprised if they cycled through a lot more after the events of the last year and everything else that went on with a lot of people being impacted. Uh-huh. So I know, so, by the way, update the, the cups that were thrown onto the field were apparently uh, the cup snakes. Okay. So a cup snake tragic incident that'll be in the cup snakes. So, yes. But I think if the white Sox and Cubs ever play each other in the world series, you're going to need those cup snakes to put out the, the fire. That'll be started with the city exploding <laughs> as the two fan bases go after each other. Oh, I hope not. I hope that one. I would be pretty brutal. It'd be awesome though. I would be here for it. Well, I would be, I would actually be here like in Vegas for it. Yes. I don't want to die. Um, yes. <laughs> I don't want to get punched. Uh, that, that'll, that, I, you could only hope that would, that, you know what? I, I, I don't understand why people wouldn't want that. Even if it would be like a fun rivalry thing and you could, you could, mm-hmm. you know, let the hate flow through you all you want. That's fine. But God, the city of Chicago being the center of the universe for baseball for one season, one world series, that's just something that I, it, 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 writes, had, it writes itself. Yes. We've had the all New York world series, basically Brooklyn Dodgers and Yankees. And then you had New York Giants and Yankees. And then you had Mets and Yankees in 2000. You had the uh, all San Francisco, basically the all San Francisco World Series and the Earthquake Series, as it's also known, in 89. You've had multiple all California World Series with the Dodgers playing the, the A's twice, 74 and 88. And they split. Uh, you had the Angels and Giants in 2002. You had the A's and Giants in 89. So I'm all for having an all Chicago world series. I think it'd be great for the city. I think it'd get ugly to be completely honest, because you get the drunken idiots on both sides who would just sit there and start jawing all, all over each other. And the next thing, you know, fists would fly. Cause I have a feeling come the both series are in August. Aren't they? I know the Sox host the Cubs at the end of August. And I think the beginning is when the Cubs host the Sox. So I could see some serious, some serious uh, shit going down between the the two fan bases, because you're going to get the, with Wrigley, you're going to get the drunken frat boys, you know, who think they know better than everything. And they got daddy's trust fund money. And for a postseason so, game, it's going to be an exceptionally well-off crowd to be able to oh afford God. world series tickets. And so we're going like for 2000 a piece when it was the last time that Wrigley host. Well, the world series is brutal. I let's just say for the sake of argument, if the Cubs make it back to the world series and they play the twins, just to throw a, a team out. Cause it would be different if I said the dot or the, Red Sox or the Yankees, it would be different. But let's just say they're playing the Twins. Do you really think those tickets would go for two thousand? I don't think so because they've already been there. Mm, I think that that's it's it's like Golden Knights games here. It doesn't matter. Uh, they're going to go for eight times face value, basically, just because there's a market for it. Wrigley doesn't fit. It's forty thousand people 
for a World Series game. Yeah. You know, it's not like my buddies went to Houston when Houston had the was hosting the was it the Cardinals, maybe. Um, and they went down in 05. I think so. Yeah. In 05 in the play. Cause the Cardinals and Astros met up in 04 and 05 in the NLCS. No. Was it, was it, was it in 17 against the Dodgers? No, this is, maybe it was just, it wasn't even world or, series. Was it? No, it was down in Texas. I thought, but they drove and it was a, well, what? well, the Rangers played the Cardinals in 2011. That's when they went. It was 2011, 2011 okay. to the world. Yeah. in the world series, 2011. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, because the, the Rangers lost to the Cardinals in seven. Yeah, so they they uh, they drove down there for that, and they were able to get in like 400, 500 bucks, I think, a pop per ticket. And that, that place seats yeah. a pretty large chunk. So I don't know. Just yeah. it, it feels well, like Wrigley, Wrigley would be a very expensive. It's, it's just a very it's it's you're not going to get people. You're not going to get the average Joe Blue Collar fans unless they save up for, you know, a long time ahead. You know, and some people do that. I This is kind of the funny thing. I used to have an account um, when I was younger. That was not untouchable. It was only if the Cubs made it to the World Series for years in a savings account. Untouchable. If the Cubs make it to the World Series, I opened this up and whatever I got to pay, I pay or whatever. Uh, as I got yeah. older, obviously, it was a little different, but um, it was, that's what a lot of fans do. So I just that kind of reminded me of that. But I don't know. Um, getting getting the two of them together, though, would be just the most incredible. Um, yes. And, and I know that in 05, and this is, my one great regret as a White Sox fan in 05, I could have hopped on a plane on October 26th and flown to Houston because the company I worked for at the time actually had offices in Houston. So I wouldn't have even had to take a day off, but I didn't do it. That's the one great regret I have about being a fan. And it's funny because the day the Cubs were playing game seven against the Indians in Cleveland, I had a guy working for me who the day before he had talked about, oh, if there's going to be a game seven, I'm going, I got to see this, blah, blah, blah. So I see him in the office that morning and I walk up to him and I say, what the fuck are you doing here? It's like, well, you know, blah. I go, don't worry about it. Get in the fucking car and drive there right now. You go, you're driving distance. Go buy a ticket out. Just get your ass there. So like, I don't know. I said, don't worry about it. I'll give you comp time. Just get your ass there. I go, don't do what I did in 2005. Go get your ass there. So the guy left and he came up to me like a week later and he said, thank you so much. It was, he goes, it was magical. I'm like, yeah, just remember that the next time I need you to work overtime. (laughs) (laughs) So we all got a good laugh out of it. But, you know, that's the one great regret I have as a Sox fan, not traveling to Houston to see him win it all. But I was at games one and two. And to your point about the well-off, well-connected, absolutely. And I tell people this all the time. The most exciting game I've ever been to in my life was game two of the 2005 World Series. Most singularly most exciting game I've ever been to. The most electric game I was ever at was the blackout game mm. by a mile because it was all real. I I say real fans at the blackout game because I don't know if you know the whole how all that came about. The Sox played that makeup game on Monday against Detroit and Alexi hits the grand slam and there's an announcement made. Now I had full season tickets. So I already had a ticket to a one game playoff if it happened. So this, I wasn't worried about it. I wasn't worried about getting a ticket. I already had one. 
they announced that they were going to, if the Sox won, they were going to put tickets up for sale immediately at the ballpark. But they were waiting an hour before they put them up for sale through Ticketmaster.com and WhiteSox.com. So if you ever watch video of that game in the ninth inning, you see seats emptying because everyone went and got in line to buy a ticket. Because those ticket, as soon as that game was over, those those things rolled up for the ticket windows, and it's it's go time. Let's buy them all now. And it was real fans in the stadium for that game versus the corporate. Oh, you, let me you know it's two thousand five, so this doesn't apply nearly. But let me take a selfie to show I'm here and put it on, you know, put it on the gram and put it on Facebook and Twitter. Hey, look where I am, and you're not. I'm cooler than you. I guess. Oh, sorry, I uh, <laughs> I got I got locked in. Somebody just uh, posted another angle of the hobby running the bases. Oh jeez, <laughs> I'll have to look at that after because the the angle that I sent you and the angle that we saw that I forgot who posted the first angle wasn't flattering towards Javi. And based on your facial expression and your Long, deep pause before answering. Repeating again. This this one doesn't doesn't sound like it's any better. I, it may I, actually be worse. I have to scroll out of it. I have to scroll out of it. <laughs> I, have to, I, I, mean, I was over here like I, I actually lost what you said at the end because I was over here stewing so hard. I'm, I'm pretty sure I just back of my shins or back of my calves sweat on this chair right now because I was just like. Yeah, that that. Mm. <laughs> Just remember, it's Javi being Javi. Right, he's El Magoo. El Magoo. Whoa. <laughs> he does have a sort of El Magoo. Does have a sort of Joey Lawrence. Whoa, sound to it. Like a Epsi. I'm gonna go across the street and get some McDonald's. Um, <laughs> sorry. Hey, you could do that at Wrigley. Can you still do that at Wrigley Field? I, I mean. I hope so for Javi's sake, because I know that that's a favorite face. So, um, oh, <laughs> is he a Big Mac kind of guy? He's, uh, he likes Texas Pepsi Cola. Um, no, I don't. I, I don't know. Uh, I, I would. Love, I'm a Big Mac guy. I love Big Mac. Those are delicious. Uh, I'm a I'm a cheeseburger guy. I like the just the simple cheeseburger, the two cheeseburger meal. Let's go. I don't know if I could fault him for that. My nickname in high school and college was the Cheeseburglar. Um, <laughs> so I used to eat a double cheeseburger before I'd pitch. So at one point, my Legion coach, he actually left a double cheeseburger in the bullpen for me when I went down to get hot. So hey, it was, it was, just, it was a thing for a second, which was funny, but like I said before, my nickname was Engelbert. I had everything except the chocolate bar and the catcher's <laughs> bit. <laughs> it can't be good for me. Like, hey, I want to eat a cheeseburger, all that sodium. And then I'm going to go pitch. <laughs> yeah. Good job there, Fiddler. Way to stay optimal. Thinking coach. It's Thank you, though. It was a delicious double cheeseburger. <laughs> Got to trade some for the other, I guess, right? Yeah, when I was working nights, I would... I When I was in school, in college, I worked midnight to 8 a.m. Then I went to school. I went full-time. So sleep was a luxury. But breakfast was also a luxury. So I would generally stop at McDonald's and get a couple of Egg McMuffins and a Diet Coke. <laughs> That's again, that was when double cheeseburgers and the McMuffins were at 99 cents a piece. And you could just be like, I'm yes, going to have like five. In exactly. A bag. Like, yes, exactly. And 
trust me, one was gone before I got out of that parking lot. (laughs) They never make it home ever. No, absolutely not. I could buy a, it's like sliders too. I could buy a box of 10 and by the time I'm home, it's a box of three and there's onions mm -hmm. all over the passenger seat in my car. I've, I've also done the, uh, buy a Nick and Vito's pizza. I got to the point where I'd buy two because I'd eat one on the way home. And that way I had another one for like the next day. Oh yeah. Cold, cold pieces. I mean, Oh yeah. The best. Especially, especially tavern style, tavern style, cold. Oh, mm-hmm. oh. yep. Spend Italian sausage. Oh my God. Forget it. Oh, it's making me hungry. Oh yeah. <laughs> Definitely. But yeah. It had those moments where you just, you're, it's not going to make it home. Some food just no. is not destined to make it. To, tacos make it usually. I'm not going to eat a taco while I drive, but you got pizza. But, but, you got some pizza that I can just rip into. You got obviously a burrito. Those don't usually make it if they're just like a smaller, like like a regular. If it's in a wrap. Yeah. If it's in a like an aluminum wrap or something. Mm-hmm. And with Taco Bell, you know what a good driving food is from Taco Bell? Steak quesadillas. Oh, that's good. Mm. I, I I get the uh, the five layer burrito. That that one's a good, go. that's a good driver one too. That that one that's a that's a right hand, left hand on the steering wheel. Yep. Fill it up, fill it up with the salsa first, and then rewrap like the the paper around or the the wrapper around it, and then yep. Oh yeah. <laughs> Got to learn how to drive you know, Taco Bell. That's that's actually that is a that is a skill set I think for for the more refined male is yes. to be able to drive and eat a Taco Bell burrito at the same time. Absolutely. It's a learned art form. I've done simple things like egg McMuffins, hamburgers, cheeseburgers. I've done tacos from Taco Bell, but it, it's the steak soft taco. So there's not, a, and I just tell them cheese and sour cream only. I don't need that other shit in there. <laughs> what's the, what's the craziest thing you've eaten while driving? Like what's like some of you're like, there's no, like did you eat a taco salad while you were driving. Like something that was, you're like, really? You were using a fork? How? Like, or what's like the, where you're like, it would kind of like, Oh, so I'm trying to think of like, what's the most difficult thing I've ever eaten while driving. I've eaten a Chipotle burrito bowl while driving. Oh, that's good. <laughs> the bowl's on the passenger seat and I'm just taking the fork as I'm driving along. I feel like cheesesteak maybe is maybe the worst I've gone. Yeah. Cause those yeah. are, those are so I'm like, that's, that's a two hander. Um, Italian beef. I've never actually tried to eat a Portillo's uh, while driving. I think that's a bad idea. Yeah. Um, Especially if it's dipped. Yeah. Uh, I've done a hot fudge Sunday while driving. That's, that's pretty solid. Yeah. You have the, you have it, you get it. You don't get it in like the traditional Sunday cup. You get it in like a shake cup. Mm, okay. And you put it in the, the cup holder and you just start chowing. <laughs> Wendy's Frosties. Oh, that's easy. Oh yeah. Dipping yeah. French fries in a Wendy's Frosty. I've done that while driving too. Yes. Yep. Um, Using any kind of dipping salt while driving really takes a little bit of a skill set too. Like chicken yes. nugget, I get a twenty piece from McDonald's and try and dip. That's why I like raising canes is really popular here. It's it's delicious and that's something I gotta wait. I, I don't touch that till I get home actually, unless I'm driving and my girlfriend's in the passenger seat. Then it doesn't make it home without getting nibbled into because she's smart. <laughs> she gets right into it. But that's yeah. that, that's one that that that's, that one actually usually makes it home for me. That but like give me burgers, forget it. Like I'm not waiting. Yeah, I've done. You know, driving and eating, I've done just eating weird things. Yeah, that's even that list is long and distinguished. Some of the weird shit I've eaten. Now, if you could say you've eaten ramen while driving, I'd be extremely impressed that that would be something. No, I I can't (laughs) say that. Uh, But I've eaten milk bones 
uh, Alpo. <laughs> Remember Alpo dog food? I I had that. Uh, what were oh what were they called? Snozzages, I think. Oh oh yeah, these snozzages. Yeah. No. Uh, that. Uh, uh, tried to eat a shot glass one time. <coughs> Come again. Tried to eat a shot glass one time. Yeah. Yes, you heard right. Cut up my mouth pretty good too. <laughs> How old were were you? When? Uh, twenty one. Oh, okay, 22? that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we were doing. Said like we last were doing week, shot. Like yeah, we were doing shots called goat ropers. Oh, that's where you have to like. Is that where you put the whole shot glass on? Like, no, 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 no. Uh, a goat roper. <clears throat> The way the way I understood it and the way it was presented to me and served to me was wild turkey with peach snaps. Hmm. Sounds and, reasonable. Yes. And you know, I've tried to eat I one time I choked on one of those. Remember when they used to do the test tube drinks, like the sex on the beach and all that stuff? One time I choked on one because, you know, I got a little too active with the person who had it <laughs> like uh, somebody called the emergency room. Uh, somebody just swallowed a beaker. Yes. Yes. So I've, you know, that one I unintentionally ate. <laughs> I've done a table uh, dive. I've never eaten glass before, but yeah, because the shot glass was cracked and I, decided to take a bite out of it and see if I could break it. Oh, so this, this was an actual, this was, there was intent to eat said yes, glass. Yes. Oh, it was an yes. accidental chew. No. Oh my, okay. Ooh. Oh. It was, it was, like I said, it was cracked and I go, I wonder if I can, you know, I wonder if I could break this with my teeth. <laughs> it reminds me of like, you watch too many of those like Mel Brooks films where like the bad guy chews glass. And it's like, yes. Well, and let me just say that I cut my mouth up, my tongue, my gums, my lips, cut them up pretty good. And a couple of days later, I decided to have some spicy food. Big mistake. <laughs> Very big mistake. Oh, there's a sweepstakes with the Cubs. Work from home plate sweepstakes. Purchase your tickets today for a chance to work from home plate at Wrigley Field. That's interesting. I would, yeah. Be cool for like a teacher to teach from home plate, like a, a online virtual class. That could actually be kind of cool. Oh yeah, if you're or if you're doing a presentation all day, like, hey, could I use the scoreboard as like my yeah. like for my for my PowerPoint? Get a little PowerPoint <laughs> clicker, like, and then you get the red, the red, the little red uh, laser beam, like point. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about. <laughs> uh, that's funny that actually reminded me of yeah. uh, I'm, uh, I don't know if you've been watching Loki uh, on Disney Plus which I is have not MCU movie or I, show or whatever it's cute it's cute up to watch I have not watched it as of yet it's a six episode season so it's like basically like a six hour okay. film um, but it's so it's sort of like it's sim- like similar in length to uh, Captain America Captain America or Winter Soldier Falcon and Winter Soldier right. and WandaVision. Right. Sim- similar type of thing. Okay. Correct. Just yeah, uh, as far as engagement, it's superior in every single way. It's it's if you like Flash Gordon, if you like sci-fi, like good soundtrack, it and, and of course the MCU. 
Yeah, I'm I'm hooked on it because it's a, there's this there's a, a, a company. He he. It's basically we we see it in Endgame when they drop the Tesseract and Loki grabs it and then disappears when they're in custody when they're like in 2012 20, or 2012. Yes. Yes. And, okay. You know, stairs. You know, Hulk freaks out or whatever about having to take the stairs, and um, so that's where this picks up. And so of course, there's it's called the Time Variance Authority, I think, believe it is. And so they basically restore and maintain a pure timeline. So there aren't any multiverses because apparently there was a multiverse war at some point and they're trying to keep this timeline intact and without any divergence. Loki apparently is what they would call a variant. So they arrest him and he's brought into basically uh, instead of, of course, being punished, he's brought in to help them capture somebody who has been basically killing agents and creating alternate variant timelines. So it's basically him. It's like a buddy cop. It's like it's but it's it's Marvel buddy cop. But like with time travel and it's it's exceptional um, of, of the three shows, the first first two episodes, I've been completely engaged. The other two episodes, it took they were like a slow burn, took a second. This one was immediate. It's it's fantastic. It, it, if it was a six hour movie, I would watch it in theaters. I mean, it's that good. So worth checking out. Worth checking out. It's good. That's that's good to know. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll say is I've queued up that just because with baseball, I'm primarily watching baseball because I'm just a geek. So that's probably going to be like a winter, like a December, January uh, binge watch on some random Saturday or Sunday when nothing else is going on, or I can't fall asleep at two o'clock in the morning. I'll start watching this. (laughs) Then you won't go to sleep. You'll be, yes. You'll be lucky if you wait, if you get to binge watch it from start to finish, I hate waiting. I'm really hate waiting right now between weeks. So. Right. And that's how that's how I hated waiting between weeks for Mandalorian. Oh, yeah. Very I hated waiting between weeks. And the funny thing is, spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't watched Mandalorian yet. Your fault. Your fault. Something. Your fault now. Yes. <laughs> I felt like there was. Cherizi and Josh Nelson from Sox Machine are huge Star Wars fans. Huge. I mean, they were doing weekly recap shows of the Mandalorian as a podcast. That's awesome. And I, I forget what episode it was. Oh, I know what episode it was when, when they take Rogu to the rock. Oh, and he's, you know, he's, you know, got the, the waves going on around him and everything else. And they said, Oh, he's made contact. I sent to Cherizi a note the next after the day after I watched, I sent him a note. I'm saying, and I asked him, did he make contact with Luke Skywalker? Which we find out at the very end. Mm-hmm. That's who it was. Sebastian Stan, right? Standing. Yeah, there, I believe. Yes. Which is the, and the I just, soldier. I just remember when that X-wing in the final episode, when you see that X-wing fly by, you're like, that's Luke. That's Luke. I was so pathetic. I I went to bed early because I had to teach, but I woke up at like five in the morning before school to watch that episode. So I remember waking up. It was dark still watching that episode. Just, I was like, ah, like the, 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 that was a, that was a clap moment kind of where you're like, I don't care if it's fan service, call it what you want. That was a, that was a good moment of a, of, of a show. That's excellent. Also very good. Yes. Disney plus has not been out of the ballpark with these extended shows. It's, Good for them. The mouse, right. the mouse controls all anyway, so might as well just enjoy the content <laughs> since we get it. I mean, who did the mouse controls? Marvel, 
the Marvel Universe, the Star Wars Universe, the Harry, no, Fox no, Harry Potter with the with Simpsons, Warner, right? Yeah, Fox with the Simpsons. Yeah. Um, and it's here. It's 20th Century Fox. So again, yeah, they got the MCU. Yeah. National MCU. Geographic. Yep, Nat Geo. Um, and of course, of course, Pixar. Oh yeah, we got Pixar as well. Yeah, Jesus, what well, mm-hmm. fucking talk about just taking you know just taking entertainment by the by the grabbing it by the neck and controlling it and then owns. Boy, wouldn't it be nice if some teams well, it, did that with their divisions? Not just Star Wars. I forgot. Duh, uh, Indiana Jones also. Lucasfilm, Lucasfilm in general, they own Lucasfilm. Oh, that's right. They did buy all of Lucasfilm, uh-huh. but he kept. Didn't he keep Lucas Sound? Uh, like I don't the know. DHX and all that. He might have ESPN. They own. I, they own eighty percent of ESPN. Yeah. Touchstones Pictures. AB, Channel History, Seven or History, ABC TV as well. History Channel, ABC, A and E, History Channel, yeah. Lifetime. Woo. Yeah. Um, obviously, Twentieth Century Fox. Uh, FX, they own It's Always Sunny. So they yeah, own those. and I mean, they own ABC, ABC Network. Mm-hmm. And when they bought 20th Century, uh, that was huge. The only thing that they didn't keep get was the actual TV, like the news. Right, they didn't get the Fox News Channel and everything else, but I've heard that might be on the block to someone else. I don't know who, but... I see Hulu on here, too. Oh, do they have Hulu as well? It's It's on this chart. Well, to... Fox had Hulu. That's why. Oh, yeah. It's 20th Century Fox. Fox. Yeah. So, yeah, they do. Yeah. yeah under... Fox had Hulu. So they get it now. Under Marvel, Walt Disney, um, their own product, which is already good. Yeah. Pixar, mm-hmm. Marvel. Mar- you said Marvel already. Uh, Star Wars. Jesus. FX, uh, mm-hmm. Fox Sports Network. So they get, you know, football now. They own yep. Sunday football. The Yes Network they own. Nat Geo. They own the Yes Network. Yep. Yes. <laughs> good. Good God. Uh, and then, of course, like all the Fox Studios, what's over here? Uh, down here. Yeah. And then the rest is just like the oh ESPN, uh, Telemunic Television. Yeah, Hulu again. Telem- oh, Telemundo. That's isn't that Spanish? UTV. I don't know what that is. So that's that's fine. GoPro. They own GoPro as well. And yeah, all yeah. the ESPNers, ABC, and then a bunch of like it looks like it's regional small. channels, probably. Yep. And some cruise ships. <laughs> oh, oh, of course. Of the, course. the amusement parks, the cruise <laughs> ships, the Disney stores. <laughs> I love that South Park when South Park plays around about the mouse, especially like these most recent episodes where they're like they started COVID because he went <laughs> when they went to China. Yes. Oh God. Such good stuff. <laughs> Such good Mickey, stuff. Mickey with the bat in the the oh. one COVID episode, oh. <laughs> like just so good. Like what was what was the second one that Mickey had after the bat? Oh, it was like a wombat or something, wasn't it? Or like not a wombat, yeah, like was, a sloth or yeah, something. It was, like it was like a yes marsupial of some kind. I think like right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, I remember watching that just like I think I sat there with that look on my face like I had in high school when the teacher called on you to solve a problem and you didn't know the answer. Yep. <laughs> yep. Like, oh man, am I actually seeing this? 
That's there needs to be. I mean, I, I hate not having like regular weekly seasons with them or like episodes right now. Like the, the long wait in between it's great content, mm-hmm. but you know, when they're doing an episode a week based on what happened in the previous six days, it, it there's no better content. I think it's just oh, so God. on the fly. It's so good. The COVID stuff was just talk about knocking it out of the park. Oh, everything about it, like all of it too. Like all the little side stories, just it's so much to say in such a little space. Okay, I have to ask you something. Uh, As I said, I have the Cubs game on, bottom of the ninth right now, and they are showing the Binny's toast of the game. And it is Savali mowing down Cubs hitters. (laughs) Tip your cap, I guess. I just, I, it's like, I don't understand that. Like, for example, the White Sox used to do this, this promotion with the 15th out. It didn't matter if it was when the Sox made the 15th out, you know, in the, at the end of three, because that would be the 15th out or the opponent made the 15th out at the end of three, they would do the same promotion. And I'm like, why would you do that promotion to celebrate the 15th out when it was the Sox, the team who's promoting it, getting the 15th out. I just could never understand that. <laughs> Congratulations. Your team. It was on, and it was on the radio too. So you'd get the, the, the sultry tones of Ed Farmer saying it. That's funny. Yeah. I mean, some of the promotions there, obviously the Cubs seem to be embracing the party as they, you know, it's, it's commercialized in that sense. So, I mean, I guess yeah. that's, Oh, Savali's not going to his glove as much anymore. And it looks pretty clean or not some, uh, Karenchuk. Oh, this guy and it looks weird. pretty clean. <laughs> this guy's weird. Well, all right, man. Well, while we watch these guys close this thing out. Yeah. So, sounds good. Might be a good time to, to, to pit a pin in this one and, and, and pull a, a Craig Kimbrell, Liam Hendricks and, and, and throw a smoke ring up there and close this one out. But, uh, and you got anything else? Uh, just going to go do a Lance Lynn and have me some, uh, Goose Island IPAs. <laughs> I'll have some Dr. Pepper. (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you just take us on out then? Here we go. All right. Thanks a lot, everybody, for listening. And remember, aloha.